with the winter months approaching and we're moving back inside again, as we were last spring when the COVID-19 pandemic began, with all we have learned since then, is the direction and advice to keeping safe similar, or how has it changed? Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. In addition to personal safety indoors, we have learned a lot about moving around, and with the holidays ahead, the urge to get out will be more pronounced. Coupled with this, with heightened conversations regarding a vaccine, the real question becomes, once it's available, when does the priority list reach the general population? For these and other pertinent insights, we do connect with Colorado's Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Eric France. We consider that the state of Colorado is now going into its third wave, and I suppose you describe a wave just because it looks like a wave on the epidemic curve, kind of a rise and a crest and a descent on the other side. And we had our first wave that started in March and came back down by the end of May. Then after um, the 4th of July, there was a smaller wave that came up and came down into August. And then if you look now, you see that we are steeply going up again. It's really started since uh, the Labor Day um, weekend. So we call this actually our third wave that we're in now. And um, the third wave just describes increasing number of cases, increasing number of hospitalizations. And it's just a reflection that this virus is now spreading once again in the community. Are we really looking at... Uh, taking a harder look at those who may be spreading it, like the silent spreaders or maybe children, those those asymptomatic carriers. It's rather unique with this virus that four of every ten people who have an infection, four of every ten of them don't feel like they're sick in any way, and yet they're spreading the virus because it's growing in the back of their throat and their nose. And when they speak, when they sing, when they cough, if they're not wearing a mask, there are droplets coming out with that virus. And while they happen to be not having any signs of being sick, the person they spread it to may be more at risk from it. And it might be a person who's older. It might be a person with a chronic medical condition. And when they then get infected with the virus, uh, they become quite sick, maybe even hospitalized. Uh, so... Uh, asymptomatic or or people without symptoms, that's what that word means, uh, spreading yeah. seems unique to uh, this COVID uh, virus and is why it's very difficult for us to control. You can't just say, if you're sick, stay home because you might be walking around feeling just fine and spreading it right. as well. It's important that we do test people who may be walking around with it and don't know they have it, especially if they work in a place where spreading it could be really serious. And so you know, we are wanting all the nursing home staff, for instance, to be tested every week during times of high uh, COVID in their neighborhoods, in their areas. And so that's so that people who are without symptoms aren't going in there working. Uh, and, and so other places like that, uh, let's say um, a group home or a prison where uh, if, if the infection gets in there, it would be really a problem. You have to test the people who are working there because they may be walking around with it and not even know they have it. We have to identify them and 
isolate them until they're over their infection, which is usually 14 days, so that they're not walking and spreading it in their work sites. Uh, how about young adults? I know they've spread the word on social media that we don't get this, so we can go out and do whatever we want to do. We don't have to wear a mask. We can ride scooters downtown with no mask on. We can yell at each other and 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 and, and ride by people like that. And they can be carriers. And I don't think that they really get the uh, they get the message there. Uh, young adults, 20 to 29, are one of the highest groups when it comes to our infections right now. They are out and about. They may may or may not be wearing their masks. And the younger you are, the more likely you are to be walking around without having any symptoms when you're infected with the virus. So I think it's 70, 70 80% of young school kids may not have symptoms. And it's it's quite high for young adults as well. Probably at least 50% of them may not have symptoms. And when we had the outbreaks at the universities in September, um, the universities appropriately shut things down so that they could control it. And uh, nevertheless, in the weeks following, you could see that it was spreading to other populations. So just because young people tend to hang out with other young people doesn't mean that the virus will stay among those young people because they go home, they visit relatives, they see people in different settings where now it starts to spread to older people. So the behaviors of the younger folk have an impact delayed, but they have an impact on the amount of virus that's out there affecting the older folk. We've got Christmas and we're going indoors because it's going to be winter. Recommendations from uh, you or the state on how people should handle it because we have learned to get out and get around a little bit during the summer. Now we got to go back inside again, and this inside is probably going to be a little harder to take than it was last spring when this started. We are in this third wave now, so cases are spreading, hospitalizations are going up. How do we get things back into control? Well, we all know what we need to do. We need to create physical distance from others. We need to wear our masks, stay home if we're sick, wash our hands, keep our bubbles small, you know, don't do a lot of interacting, don't go out to a bunch of, of, of large gatherings. Um, if you do that, it's going to keep going up, right? So how do we do that now in the context of kids back in school, people going uh, indoors for work, and the holiday season? Those are challenges that make it all the more difficult and all the more important that each one of us owns our responsibility to behave well. The good news is we know how to keep these rates down. Uh, we did it over the summer. The rates were low. We did those basic fundamental prevention efforts, and we were able to manage. Uh, how do you then apply that to what's coming up? Well, um, I wouldn't be sitting down for hours at a Thanksgiving meal or a Christmas day or a football game with friends. We have to keep up that, that social distance uh, if we're going to succeed. We need to do things as much as possible outside. Uh, be sure that we keep six feet away from folks, wear masks when we're inside, and focus on places that have good ventilation rather than poor ventilation. You know people are going to, go to, going to want to go see Christmas lights. Probably the best way this year to see Christmas lights is to stay in your car and drive through, but some may want to uh, 
get out and go into the botanical gardens if they have space uh, entry or something like that? Uh, there are places like the Denver Zoo and the botanical gardens who work with the state to have a, a, a variance where they are allowed to have people in. And in part, it's because people are so well spaced out and you're in the open air. And so the chances of catching the virus, if you're moving about in the open air, is going to be low. I'm sure as we get closer to that holiday season and we're thinking of zoo lights here in Denver or the Botanic Gardens or other places like that, we'll be revisiting what can we do to make sure it's done in a safe way. The issues are always the bottlenecks, like the entry place where you go in or the restrooms or the concession stands where you buy a drink and everybody might be crowded around. So that's about the open space and more about those bottleneck points that you have to have a good plan so that it remains safe for people to go there. The state allowed so many fans to go to Bronco games these days. I always thought, okay, fine, but as soon as they score a touchdown, you have crowd effect when they all cheer. You know, that would work. But now you're going into the winter with basketball and hockey. Uh, are you in, mm. are you evaluating what direction you want to give to the Nuggets at altitude and CU basketball if they should have uh, fans in there or not? Yes, I think that will certainly be on on the list of things to consider. Um, it's about ventilation indoors. You know, I've I've heard it once said that hockey is particularly challenging, or it can be because of the cold air, heavier cold air. Uh, congregates over the ice, and so uh, could there be more droplets or, or, or less less air movement across a cold sheet of ice? So those are the kinds of things that um, we'll be thinking through as we're looking at potential variances for sporting uh, centers come come winter. Vaccines. Is there a transition period that the public needs to think about to? To say, hey, I got to give time for other people to get the trans, the uh, vaccines along the way, like the first responders, and then you're moving into high risk groups, and the general public may not receive a vaccine until next fall, maybe. Uh, let me just add one thing that came to mind as you're asking me about sports there, real quick. Yeah. Um, uh, as people look to the potential opening of more sports events, whether it's basketball or hockey at the professional or collegiate level, recognize that when we make those decisions, it'll be so much driven by how much illness is in our communities at that time. So if we aren't all doing the basics of protecting ourselves, keeping distance, wearing masks, and the virus is spreading quite a bit in the community, it's less likely that there's a safe way to open up professional or college sports. So Mm -hmm. it always comes back to the basics, which is first and foremost, if I want to go see a a basketball game, I got to do my part in staying safe today so it's not spreading in the community. So uh, that would be super important. That's something everybody who likes sports in Colorado could be doing to maximize the chance that we'll have these sporting events and that some people will be able to go see them. Practice right yeah. today in our safe safe um, behaviors. Um, oh. We have uh, some plans um, now submitted to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, for our um, implementing vaccination against 
the COVID virus. And um, we think that maybe by the end of November or early December, there could be some of the first doses arriving to the state. Um, we've done a lot of work, um, and we've looked to other work done at the CDC to decide who should get the first doses once they get here. It makes sense that if you're a hospital worker, you work in the ICU or the emergency room, and you're taking care of people with COVID, those people should be our top priority. Um, anybody in the hospital will be that top priority um, for vaccination. Healthcare workers in general would be at the top of that, that prioritizing. So too, the emergency responders, the people who take care of us in times of emergency, the ambulance drivers, the paramedics, they need to be vaccinated as well. And then we have a, a list of priorities uh, for the next group going down and down. So people who live in congregate uh, care living situations should be sure. a high priority. People in nursing homes, people with certain chronic medical conditions are essential workers like the, the plumbers and the, and the grocers and all of those. These are people who serve us, and they all need to be priority. And then you got the average Joe, I would say even me, because I'm I'm not really being exposed in my public health work to a lot of people. I should be at the lower end of the list rather than at the top. And it may be spring or summer before the, those final groups of folks will be be uh, getting vaccinated next year. Yeah, yeah. And is it something we have to let the public know that probably the the early vaccines may just be 50% effective. There's a lot of vaccines that come right out of the chute super effective. Okay. So yeah. the, the measles vaccine, the chickenpox vaccine, hepatitis A vaccine is 100% effective. The uh, human papillomavirus vaccine is over 90% effective. So we'll wait and see um, with this vaccine once the, the, the thousands of people have gotten it over this fall. Um, by, by November, December, we'll start maybe getting the data to see over the months after they were vaccinated, did they have lower rates of catching uh, coronavirus and how effective was it as a vaccine? We, we expect it would only be licensed if it was at least 50% uh, effective. Yeah. Um, it could, however, be 70, 80, 90% effective. We really won't know until the data uh, comes back. We thank Dr. Eric France of the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment for his update on COVID-19, some of what we can expect going into the winter months, and how to continue keeping ourselves safe. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Stay on your game. And many thanks to you as well for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.